Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 80, 84. 84. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... David McBurney, fanboy master, eternal Yakuza superfan. Okay, and calling in from Japan with hopefully a better connection this time. Yay! Gaiji uh, Monogatari, Michael Baker, the other Michael. It means Let's I just keep using handles, okay? Because that college humor video about not naming your children Michael is just too dead on. <laughs> there are four normal names, and then everyone else is a weirdo. Everyone else has to. Li- everyone else gets to live with a name that you don't that you- they don't hear every three seconds. <laughs> the worst. I, I mean, I have a friend over in Minnesota. Her name comes from um, was li- was taken out of this one semi-obscure novel from 60 years ago. And apparently, every single person on the continent who has her name, apparently their mom also read this book. <laughs> it's the only place you get it from. I, I'm not even joking here. They have online support groups. <laughs> that wow. makes it sound like it's a very bad name. <laughs> it's not. It's just, it's a, apparently a Cornish variant of the name Karen. Hmm. And it's incredibly obscure, except for this particular book. That popularized it enough that it keeps showing up sometimes. Hmm. Only because of the book. Oh, that's surreal. Yeah. Uh, well, it sounds like Wheels is already exhausted. Let's get to this, get so, the show on the road. Something, something, Wheels, sick children. Other than tending to sick children and going to see the Teen Titans go to the movies again... Um, <laughs> I, I feel for you on the first one, not so much on the second one, because, yeah. Well, I kind of enjoyed the movie, so I, I can't true. actually complain about it. I'm sure he's been dragged to worse. I oh. know. I mean, last summer, last summer when I went home for summer break, um, I was looking through what movies were available, and I'm like, there's a Captain Underpants movie? <laughs> yeah, it happened. Uh, my, my sister was kind enough to actually locate the last theater in the state that was running it because we arrived towards the tail end of its distribution phase. And so I took my nephew and niece to go see it. Nice. Yes. My niece was embarrassed half to death that, hey, she had already seen the movie two weeks before that and she knew what she was getting into. <laughs> the, so. Nice. The first movie I ever brought my son to was the Yokai Watch movie. <laughs> Of well, on brand. Well, because my little brother's birthday falls in October, and I was out of state for college for those years, for his junior high years, his belated birthday present three years in a row was uh, a promise to go see the Pokemon movies <laughs> over nice. Thanksgiving holiday. Three years in a row. Nice. I think still, they still have do those years. I still have the ancient new collectible card from the second movie. Oh man, memories. Yes. Those still come out every year. I feel like they do. Yes, they do. In fact, but not in theaters in America. Yeah, I feel um, like they I might. Have, 
Yeah, I have seen five Pokemon movies in the theater. Three of them were in English, two of them were not. <laughs> and the two that I did see, that I saw in Japanese, the first one was actually, I actually saw it mainly to see the preview of Pokemon Black and White so I could report on it. That makes sense. The second one, I just had a free weekend and not, and I was bored to death. And I thought, you know what, I could just download a free Keldeo while I'm at it. I want to say that the fifth one is the last time that they just put... Is the last time that they got into theaters in the U.S. And Probably. it's the first Google search. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On December 5th, 2016, a reboot of the film franchise began with the 20th film. Yeah. That's horrifying. Well, 2017, Pokemon, I, the movie I Choose You, that was the reboot. Yeah. 2016 was Volcanion. Oh, wait. Yeah, I think it was just These that it was announced. American release dates. Oh, okay, that's why you're saying 2016. Okay. Well, actually, I think that, that in 2016 they would have uh, been releasing whatever would have been the previous year's one in Japan, but I would imagine that uh, they announced that the next one would be... Uh, yeah, they, they revealed a teaser trailer for the reboot movie in 2016. Okay, okay that's making more sense here. But yeah. So. Movies. Yeah, I feel like we suddenly became. I can't. I can't believe since we're a movie podcast now, we have to review the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh, duh. oh God! Why? <laughs> I have seen that uh, film. It's very, very bad. I saw it in the theaters, probably so opening did I. night. Uh, I only ever saw it on cable television, and I think at least one other person in my dorm room was drunk at the time, and we we're. Um, I don't think I was, but you never know. I mean, that would have been the best way to see it. <laughs> yeah. <Ugh. laughs> it's all ruined. Okay, well, let's... let's it. Okay. Well, I can tell you a funny thing about the Teen Titans go to the movies. No, well, you can't. What? <laughs> you can't. Well, you, you, sh you can tell us, but I'm not sure if it's going to be fun. Well, they... The whole... The whole thing is obviously that the Teen Titans want their own movie, so to do so, one of the things they try is going back in time preventing all the superheroes from ever becoming superheroes, as if that would work. That also seems like it would stop them from becoming superheroes for at least a sure. so, few of them, yeah. So in a montage backed by the Huey Lewis song from the Back to the Future movies... Uh, the, the kids love it. They're all over it. <laughs> the audience of eight-year-olds is just <laughs> going nuts. Over frickin' Power of Love. <laughs> no, oh, not, not Power of Love. Not <laughs> Power of Love, the other one. Oh, that one. That makes more sense. Yeah. I associate Power of Love with Back to the Future for more for some reason. That, that's the first thing I think of when I hear Huey Lewis. Uh, yeah, you're not the only one. <laughs> okay, yes. Wheels, continue. Uh, so they, let's see, they prevent Krypton from being blown up. Um, they throw a... Uh, one of those soda things, I forget, into the ocean so that Aquaman gets caught in it. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a little on the dark side. And, um, let's see, who else is there? And they dump Mentos into the ocean? No, I think he's talking about, like, those things that hold soda cans together, the ringlets. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Because <laughs> you, see, you see those a lot get associated with, like, oh, a fish got caught on that and died. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty dark. 
Yep. Okay. What else? Uh, let's see. Batman. They 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 convince his parents instead of going down Crime Alley to go down like Happy Lane or something. <laughs> makes that makes sense. I don't know what that does to Robin, but that uh, makes sense. And let's. <laughs> Don't think about it too much. And then uh, Wonder Woman, they steal her lasso. and I guess she's defeated. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so then they go back to the future, and obviously it's a horrible hellscape. And Robin's like, are, 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 but are they still making superhero movies? Uh, cut to the the theater as it gets stepped on by a giant monster. That makes sense. I yep. can't believe Wheels died during the, the screening of this film. <laughs> Yeah, so good times. So then, yeah, obviously that fails. So how do you feel about the live-action Teen Titans TV show? Now, hold on, we'll get to that in a second. So, <laughs> so then, obviously that failing, they go back in time and undo everything, uh, mess up Krypton so it blows up, uh, save Aquaman from the, the ringlet thingy, give Wonder Woman her lasso back and cheer her up, and then <laughs> the darkest one, they direct... <laughs> Bruce Wayne and oh. his parents down Crime Alley, and you hear the gunshots. <laughs> oh, the kids love it. The kids love the brutal murder. Who, who wrote this? I don't know. Seriously, don't, this is I don't ridiculous. Know. Who approved it? It does feature uh, Will Arnett as Deathstroke, who, true, okay. to, true to the original Teen Titans cartoon, they have to call Slade because of the censors, and not Deathstroke. Let's be real. The name Deathstroke the Terminator is dumb enough that it deserves to be changed. Yeah, it's true. Oh, oh for a moment I thought you said that he was like the producer or something, because that would have made a lot more sense. Uh, Will Arnett, I believe, was also a producer on the movie, actually. Okay. <laughs> so Deathstroke was a producer. Okay. Everything slides into place. Yes. Good times. I still can't get over the name Deathstroke the Terminator. Yeah. So, the Titans live-action show. Um, oh, you're all about it. I would like to reserve judgment until it actually appears. However, I would join in the number of people who said that what the hell is going on with some of these costumes and choice design. Yeah. Um, and I'm not really looking forward to it actually. <laughs> and that's kind of the opposite of reaction that they should be getting out of anybody. Eventually, we're going to turn into a superhero podcast. That's the secret identity that we all have, secretly superhero podcasters. Okay, then, well, how many video games have superheroes in them? Oh, hundreds. Mm. How many RPGs have superheroes in them? Oh, that, that narrows things. Hmm. Saga Frontier. Yeah, yeah. Romancing Saga 3. Yeah. Saga's the, Saga's the MVP already. I mean, true. One of them is more of a power, more of a masked rider type, and the other is more of a Zoro secret identity guy type. But yeah, got those two. are all those all fit under the umbrella of superhero. Yep. So that means two different vigilante heroes in two consecutive games in the series. Um, what else? Um, Sagashi no Ikoyo, which I think I've mentioned before, but it was a PlayStation Two title. It had a um, an all preteen cast, all these kids around town who were having fun at little adventures, and the rich kid in town was just too cool to play with anybody, but he would go around in his persona of the masked Avenger to actually join in the fun, because that's the only way he would let himself... Um, I can't be seen with these people, but he can. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. 
Um, so that's three. Um, any more superhero types here? Hmm. Uh, if you don't want things that are based on like licensed properties, we might. Uh... There aren't that many of those in the RPG world either. Uh, if you're willing to count Diablo clones, Marvel made about four of them. Ultimate Alliance and the X-Men Legend games. Yeah, there's two uh, X- uh, Ultimate Alliances and two X-Men Legends. I- I'm sure that Project Cross Zone would count somehow, but I'm not sure. Hmm. There's a lot of super-powered beings. I'm not sure how many of them are superheroes, though. There's an old PC game I played that was, like, non-licensed superheroes. Freedom Force? Yeah, Freedom yep. Force. Yep. I want to say that was made by, like, Irrational. Uh, let's see. Yep. It was made by someone like that. Irrational? Yep. Uh, if you see the cover, you can definitely tell what they're going for. Oh, for sure. It's a pretty fun game. Apparently it's on Steam. That also got a sequel. So yeah, that's Freedom Force versus the Third Reich. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, time travel shenanigans and stuff. There's there's a lot of these. Oh yeah, I just remembered City of Heroes. Yeah. That doesn't exist uh, anymore. That makes me sad. <laughs> and Chroma Squad, where you have a group oh, of that one was cute. are actually actors in a Power Rangers type um, TV series. And they start out just extraordinarily low, bucket, low budget. Yes, and so part of your experience building phase is actually getting enough funds to buy better special effects to fight better monsters with. <laughs> better special effects are more powerful. Yes. Better monsters are more dangerous, but they get you better ratings and more money. <sighs> Should look in, I should look into these. I feel like there's more stuff that would qualify, but I'm flanking on more superhero RPGs. Yeah, I wish there were more. Oh, wait, that awful, awful X-Men game that Silicon Knights made, like, six years ago. Ooh. And now we're done. <laughs> hey, do we have, do we have any actual questions to answer before we get we to do. the website? Technically? we got questions. We can okay. do this. All right. Alright, question the first. What is your favorite adventure game of all time? I do consider the new Telltale games part of the point-and-click adventure genre. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a big fan of the old Sierra games. Some more than others. Because there was a point in the 90s where, or towards the end of the 90s, turn of the century, where Sierra just went way off the grid. Yeah. That was right around the time that they were also going rapidly out of business. Yeah, so I mean, like... Quest for Glory 5 was bad. Yeah. Quest for Glory 6, I am not, or not sorry, I'm Space Quest 6, I'm not sure what the heck happened there, but it plays more like a LucasArts game, um, has, I don't know who did the art, but they really love forehead wrinkles for some reason, and King- the plot reads like somebody's bad fan fiction. What about King's Quest 8? The masterpiece. We talked about that last week. I'm still pissed off at you. Oh, really? Did I miss something last week after I left? Uh, no, we just briefly brought it up when we were discussing Quest for Glory, and it's like, oh, yeah, the King's Quest that they made that's like a Tomb Raider knockoff for some reason. Oh, never mind. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. Vaguely, that's not... because I was having to decipher voices through, like, <laughs> heavy... A hell filter. Now, like I was telling Wheels, it was like listening to that... Um, like something from Blue Oyster Cult when they decided to actually have the guitar sing the lyrics with distortion. <laughs> I'm into it. 
Yeah, I think I think it was Blade or what? I can't remember the name of the song. It was either Blade or Flaming Sullivan. Yeah, something from that album. It was really good. Yeah, like adventure games late in the late in the uh, lifetime of the genre's heyday slash when the genre was slowly on the wane in the late nineties tend to get. The, those ones are all either really good or really, really bad. Yeah. There's basically um, no middle ground. But it's interesting to see, like, with the Quest for Glory games, how some of the game, how um, the legacy of the series has lived on. Not just with the original creators making an actual de facto sequel to it, but other studios creating their own takes on the that particular mishmash of genres to create some really good games. Yeah, you sort of saw... Uh... RPGs, especially uh, in the West, sort of move into that space where they got more, like, character and dialogue-driven after the adventure game started to wane. Yeah. But, I mean, like, um, something I really liked, again, about that whole branch of the genre and, um, it's like, very often you had the choice of three different character classes, and there was... Um, there were very um, there were sections of the game that were accessible only by a particular class, but a lot of it you could solve any given puzzle in the game three or four different ways. Should say uh, out of coordination. A much vaunted design feature that many games still struggle with. Yeah, and like um, again, still playing Hero University, I'm officially past the point where I reset the game the first time. Hmm. Thank yay, I actually managed to rescue that character this time. Um, <laughs> And doing a lot better on my cash flow, too. Um, but that's a game where you only have the one character class to work with, but it still gives you a variety of options to get through different parts of the plot. Nice. Including several cases, failing to actually do anything, and somebody else solves the problem for you. <laughs> but, that's why um, it keeps you on a calendar. Yep. But, yeah, like, the, the thing that got me hung up um, on my first playthrough, was mm-hmm. I was um, there was a car- there was a friend who was trapped down in the catacombs under the castle uh, by a not a lich, those premature lich, um, and he had to find some way of rescuing him. And I found him on the I managed to locate him finally on the very last possible night. And no matter what I did, if I couldn't actually kill the lich, then my friend died. And there was no possible way I was killing that thing. Um, even the second time through, where my levels were a lot better, better balanced, I had a lot more hit points, I had much better equipment and things, and I still couldn't quite kill the lich, or the, the rake, as it was called. And so I had to go back to the save right before, the, right before I triggered that battle, and I got into the fight again. And I ran away. Because it has a nice little chicken button on the on the command screen just saying, get out of there fast. <laughs> and since there was still time before the scenario ran out the next day, first thing after class, I reported where the friend was, um, recruited the help of the school's resident paladin. She went in with sword blazing, took out the wraith while I got around the magic wall and rescued my friend and got him to safety. So, nice. yes, and much much more in, in keeping with the actual theme of the game, where the rogues professor is actually giving you lectures on 
play it smart, you idiots. Don't actually go straight into a fight that you can't win. <laughs> Listen, if you want to get yourself killed, here's yeah. some rope. Yeah, oh, we got the rope for a different lesson. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't put it quite like quite that bluntly, but yes, that's, that was actually the, the message of several days' worth of lessons in a row. And the second, and the second or third exam. So yeah, it, it's a difficult genre to get right, especially if you want to give a lot of options. Yeah. But when you do, it gets really fun. It does. I think my f my favorite in the genre is still probably Monkey Island Two. That's a really good one. Yeah. Like two or three are probably the highest point yeah. of that series. Either that or Quest for Glory 1. One of those two. Yep. Did you ever try Heroine's Quest? Uh, I don't think so. It's still free very, through various means. Um, Steam, GOG, or their own website. Um, but yeah, it is a Norse mythology-themed version of Quest for Glory with a heroine protagonist. Interesting. That's neat. Yep. And some really good um, artwork, full voice acting, and the text is dual language English and Hungarian. Hmm. Don't ask me why. I'm assuming it's because of where their studio is located or something. Yeah, I can only presume that the Hungarian is the native language there. Yep. But yeah, it's... Um, and again, you you can choose between the, the warrior, the magic user, or the rogue type heroes, and so, one of my favorite parts here, one of the very last events in the game, you're being, um, you're trapped by the two-headed troll king, and so if you're and you're kind of chained to a rock at the time, and so if you're the fighter, just flex your strength enough to actually break the rope holding you. If you're the magician, you can make part of the rock behind you disappear. But if you're the rogue, you just keep talking to the to the troll king, and you can actually get him into an improvised parody of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. And yes. if you can keep him talking long enough, the sun comes up and he turns to stone. <laughs> so uh, yes. Yeah. Um, the Bohemian Rhapsody option only shows up if you're a road because you have the fast talk ability. But yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> it gets, it's a really good game. So very much very much in the spirit of the original Quest for Glory games. Nice. And quite possibly in the top three out of the, I'm going to say, nine games I would consider part of the that genre set. Adventure games. Come on and grab your friends. Wait, no. <laughs> there is an Adventure Time adventure game. Yes, I see it in bargain bins quite often. Yes, it's um, it's okay. It's not not the greatest. Lesser than WayForward's efforts. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's fun enough. Yeah, it's for. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I briefly touched on what my favorite adventure games would be, and it was. It's probably like Monkey Island two or three. There's only there's only so much that I can take of. Uh, Making a poor choice in a Sierra game and then getting killed. <laughs> I remember doing that many a time in the, um, the Sierra King Arthur game. I forget the name of it. Maybe uh, this being Quest for Camelot or 
something along there those lines. There is a quest. There is a quest for Camelot, or I thought that was a movie. Well, there's also that. I think you have Conquest of the Longbow. That's the Robin Hood one. Oh, Conquest of Camelot: Search for the Grail. Yeah, I mean, I remember playing this pre-internet, and there were some pretty annoying riddles that my brother and I uh, spent hours trying to figure out. My personal uh, favorite, like, when you dig into the weeds of, like, the ones that were, like, from Sierra and not at all popular, you get into the ones that are like, oh, this game is a dick. Yeah. But uh, my personal, like, uh, a drug of choice that happened to, like, someone just mischievously put on the school's computers uh, back when I was growing up was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yay. Which is just the meanest video game imaginable, and, like, getting anywhere in that game took a lot of concerted effort. Many board study halls. Yeah. Uh, I know that there is a small community of enthusiasts who like to make new games in the text adventure genre, like Zork. Yeah. Dude. I, I remember reading about this one that was, had a reputation for getting annoyed with the player. So... <laughs> At, at the very start, you're in the attic, and the description that the text gives strongly indicates that you need to check this one thing out before you leave. But if you try to leave, it'll say, no, no, you need to check this first. And if you keep trying to leave the room, you get a, an official killed game over for failing to, to get the point. The best worst thing that an adventure game, I think, may have ever done is, again, pointing to Hitchhiker, which is text, but still, adventure game. It's just that, like, there's a bunch of useless objects that the game wants you to collect and will take out of your inventory at various points. And then, but, like, if you fail to grab any of them, the game at the end is going to ask you for tools. And if it sees that you don't have one in your inventory, that's the one it will ask for. It's, uh, it's mean. They didn't even have the chance to fire off the the ultimate insult which would have which exists in the design documents for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy 2. Uh-oh, what? They had a puzzle that you would get points for and the game would praise you for solving early in the game, but if you did it, it made another plot-critical puzzle later impossible to, finish, to complete. <laughs> so nice. adventure game players who played for score with the idea that they had to get the best solution to every puzzle would find that their, that way of attempting to gauge their own progress would not work. You had to leave that puzzle undone if you wanted to finish the game. Oh, dear. I don't want, going back to Sierra, I'm remembering some of the things I really liked about them was their use of manuals for completely plot-irrelevant information and sometimes actual plot-relevant information that's, um, hidden within it. Like, um, Space Quest 4 had a travel brochure. <laughs> complete with, oh, yeah. Complete with pages of completely fictitious um, advertisements for items that were actually occasionally seen in the game. A lot of games would use that sort of thing as, like, copy protection. Oh, that too, yeah. The, uh, the special code thing for the time travel machines was hidden in the middle of the it's all print out and cut out at Monkey Island's Dial a Pirate. And did someone actually just... Yeah, someone made this uh, working on a website. You can dial a pirate right now if you Google dial a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. 
that that's one part of the interactive nature I really miss sometimes. That's why I really like the DS version of Nino Kuni. Yeah, that idea is basically gone. Yeah, I mean, level five really proved that you could pull it off, and it would be hideously expensive to translate. Yeah, it suddenly becomes not a great idea to <laughs> to sell this anywhere other than where you sold it originally. And that game yeah. will never be re-released in any capacity. Yeah. Unfortunately, because it was a... The book is really nice. Yeah. I, I believe it. I have one of those books. It's really, really sweet. I've got two of those books. They're both really sweet. I wish I got... Plastic packaging. I wish I'd gotten the, uh... The English Collector's Edition, Nino Kuni. It came with a translated copy of it. Oh, wow. Cool. <sighs> Okay, so do we have another question? We do. We have multiple. Wales, I leave it to you to pick the next one. Okay. Um, are there any RPGs that are notoriously financial flops? Depends. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, what you would... Like, if I'm... I'm I've actually been thinking about this since I saw it, and all I can think of is, like, if you're willing to count Shenmue as an RPG, guess what, buddy? I've seen some people make that argument in the past, although I would not. Uh, yeah. Generally, a lot of things that, like... I, I can think of other things that, like, clearly had their ambitions curtailed. Uh, I remember reading about Eldorado's Gate, which was an episodic Dreamcast RPG that uh, had Yoshitaka Amano involvement. And... That game was supposed to be 20 chapters, and it ended at 6. Whoops. But uh, that was also in part because it was a Dreamcast game, and uh, <laughs> that system was very quickly on the outs. Uh, like part of it is just that for most of history, companies aren't prone to betting the farm on an RPG that isn't already proven successful. I mean, if you want to count, like flops in a particular region, I think that uh, Earthbound is infamous for having miserably undersold compared to what Nintendo was hoping for. Yeah. Uh, at least in the US, anyway. But, uh... Oh, wheels. So, um, game, game price and game popularity related. Um, you'll be happy to know that you chose the right time to get a copy of Metal Max 2 Reloaded. Because what? the the second-hand price has doubled. Oh, jeez. I got it for you. Lovely. It's maybe uh, up 80% uh, at this point, which yeah. makes it slightly more expensive to get than Metal Max Xeno. Any, any particular reason? I don't know. I was quite surprised hmm. to see this. I mean, for a long time, it was actually slightly cheaper than Metal Max 3, and now it is almost twice the price. At least at this one store, and but that one tends to be pretty representative of use prices. Hmm. Kind of weird. Maybe Metal Maxino made people want to go back to the older games? That's about all I can it's think of. Like, I mean, it's a possibility. But, I mean, the other games... Um, well, I, I didn't check four, but three didn't see the same jump. Interesting. So. Hmm. Yeah. Guess they have to remake Metal Max 2 again. I hope they do for, like, theater or something, because then you guys actually have a chance to see it again. <laughs> yeah, sure. we might get lucky. Yeah. One of these I remakes will get it. Actually, I just thought of something. Um, one of the characters in Xeno is Maria, 
aka um, nicknamed the the Immortal Soldier. She is a character at the very beginning of Metal Max Two. Hmm. Same name, same nickname, not canonically the same character that I know of, but you know what? That could change. <laughs> Certainly, at the very least, a reference, but they could make it more literal if they remade it again. Yeah. Of course, then, the fact that her nickname proves wrong at the very start of Metal Max 2. Yeah. She's not immortal. <laughs> Neither are her companions, unfortunately. Which starts off the entire crusade of vengeance against the bad guys for the rest of the game. Yep. Fun, fun, fun. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any other, like, we bet the farm on an RPG and, uh, lost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, original Valkyria Chronicles underperformed quite a bit. Um, oh. Well, I mean, if we if we wouldn't just go for we bet the farm on the RPG, then apocryphally Final Fantasy the first. Yeah, but that one succeeded, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's one of the few examples where I can think of where a company really did bet it all on one game, supposedly. Yeah. That was, that was more common back when you could theoretically have enough money to finish a game if you bet it all on it. Yeah, oh, I know. I mean, Kingdom, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Ooh. That needed to that needed to sell like five million copies to succeed and only sold like one. Ooh. I can't believe baseball killed the video game star. Yeah, that anything Amalur rated related was a that was a mess. <laughs> to put it you kindly. have too much time and hate yourself, you can go look that up. I think it's already fallen down the memory, memory hole for most people, even though it was only like five years ago. But yeah, otherwise, like, usually companies don't pour quite enough money into RPGs. I mean, like, there are other games that, like, if they had failed, they probably would have taken the company with them, but they didn't fail. So, I mean, like, if FF7 had failed, then Square probably would have just gone out of business. Yeah. Uh, technically, Square pretty much did go out of business. That's why Enix acquired them, and then they took Enix over from the inside out. Yeah, but that was four, that was four games later. That yeah, was that was also had... directly related to a movie, rather yeah. than... Yeah, so yeah that was want... Spirits Within's fault. Yeah. If you want to broaden the scope of the question a little bit, then yes, Final Fantasy The Spirits Within is a bet-it-all-and-lose situation for a square. Yeah. But Hironobu Sakaguchi still lives in Hawaii because apparently that's just what he likes to do. <laughs> that was also where Square Pictures was located. I'm convinced that that's the only reason that that's where it was located. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, those are all I can think of for, like, someone infamously took a bath on an RPG. Um, trying to think of any MMOs... That were oh, the disasters. MMO, MMO genre is a graveyard, man. I mean, there's... Do you want to talk about something like uh, Tabula Rasa? That was Lord British's uh, most recent go that ended with a bunch of lawsuits. Uh, you got uh, All Points Bulletin, which shut down within five weeks and the... took the developer of Crackdown with it. Yeah, this uh, is why I don't dip my toe in those waters. There are There's no telling what might actually be floating. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of MMOs are like bet the farm affairs and lose everything, which is uh, why you don't see people try to jump on that bad bandwagon quite so much anymore. Yeah, uh, I mean FF14 for the first three years of its life was this. 
Like, the fact that they succeed, successfully pulled it out from the muck is kind of worth, <laughs> worth mentioning just because of that. It's one of the seven wonders of video game history right there. A little bit. But yeah, MMOs would be an entirely different question. Uh, something like Sony probably put a lot of money into... Well, they put a lot of money into a lot of MMOs that ultimately didn't pan out for the Matrix Online, PS2 EverQuest. Uh, they did a lot of those in the early to mid-2000s trying to recapture EverQuest and finding that no one actually wanted to play EverQuest anymore. <laughs> or the countless attempts to try and copy World of Warcraft oh, before, before everyone Ongoing. realized that there was only room enough for one series in that particular niche of the genre, and that was Warcraft. So, <sighs> But yeah. So, yeah. MMOs are a graveyard. Single-player ones are... More interesting, but rarer. And Final Fantasy, the spirits within nearly destroyed the world. You want to move on? Sure. Uh, you want to pick the next one? Uh, I feel like I should just knock out this Yakuza one right quick. All right. Uh, how is the level-up system in Kiwami 2? These are both. These have all been by Budai so far, by the way. Uh, thank him. Thank you, as always. Uh, has the level-up system in Kiwami 2? Haven't played it, but everything I've looked at says it's like the level system in Yakuza 6, if you knew that one. Which means that the game tries to reward you for partaking in a lot of different kinds of activities. Uh, by making sure that you actually can't get all the experience types from combat. So, uh, get used to going to karaoke and eating a lot. If you want to max out certain skill sets. <laughs> Again, that Which sounds a lot like some of the stuff from the... Adventure RPG side of world, yeah. Because sort of I mean, yeah, you know, for like Hero U, you can raise various stats during just pretty much any time. Um, like taking the stairs up and down between certain areas of the castle will increase your climbing stat occasionally. <laughs> um, playing pool increases agility in gaming. Throwing darts increases throwing accuracy in gaming. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, playing cards increases luck and gaming. I find so. playing cards usually cards usually decreases my luck. But, uh, oh well, if if you want any actual cash flow in this game, you're going to have to try and find some way of beating the right um, the semi regular high stakes poker game and hero game. Ah, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's which I I couldn't do the first time through, and which I did quite well on the second time through. Uh -huh. <laughs> That sort of system seems to exist in part to incentivize the player to like actually experiment with different ways of in, uh, improving their character, which a lot of people don't seem to care for. I've seen a lot of people complain about Yakuza 6's uh, level-up system, but I kind of enjoy the incentivization to actually experience everything that the game does. I'm a fan. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, not much else to say about that. It's like Yakuza Kiwami 2 is built directly on the 6 engine and thus it just it just reuses the 6 uh, level up system which I think is generally more interesting than the original Yakuza 2's leveling which was uh, very basic, very bare bones so there you go uh, I guess we can move on to another one uh, you want to do that Wheels or? sure uh, Final Fantasy VII was widely considered the most popular RPG of all time by fans. Do you still think that this holds true, or have modern gamers shifted their favorite to something like Skyrim? 
Well, it was certainly true at one point, but I think it's also a testament to how much of a factor advertising comes into play here. Because I still remember, like, 1996-97 with the first Final Fantasy VII advertising on TV. Mm. And um, I had seen video games advertised on TV before, but maybe once or twice only before the commercials disappeared into the ether forever. And the Final Fantasy VII commercials just lasted for... I'm not sure how long. But, oh, I mean, it was definite they were putting some extra money into that part of the campaign. Certainly. I think that title ultimately sold around 10 million, uh, not counting any of the digital re-releases, so... Like, definitely other games have sold more, like, if that's how you want to measure this. But it sold more first. It sold more first, it sold more faster, well, not really faster, but in a more compressed period of time. Skyrim certainly sold more faster, but, like, at the same time games didn't sell as well at the time. <laughs> it's one of those, like, if FF7 sells, like, 10 million copies on the PlayStation, that's, like, a tenth of all PlayStations ultimately end up having that sitting in their collection at some stage. Yeah. So it, it creates this, like, situation where, like, since everything pushes away, has pushed away from the monoculture, like, uh, over the past, like, 20 or 30 years... And that includes video games, where it's much easier for video games to divide into subcultures. So, while other things have sold better, there isn't a, like, generalized fandom of, like, video... You aren't... It's harder to be a video game fan. You are a fan of, like, a type of game. Like, I mean, that always existed. I mean, this website's built on that idea, but it's become more so the case, like... But so it's, it's hard for one thing to be an all-consuming obsession. Yeah, but yeah, just going back 20 years to the first release of Final Fantasy VII, that was early enough and a strong enough push that it was kind of a broad-spectrum release. Mm. For, I mean, people who had never been interested in the genre before had that game. Yeah. And maybe they didn't get anyone, any of them after that game either, but they had that one at least. Yeah. So, um, I mean, very true that everyone gets into subgenres and subfandoms and everything, but you always had this one game that everyone seemed to at least have played at some point. They might not and, even have played it for very long, but they knew yeah. something about it because they couldn't avoid talking about it at some point. Yeah, and there are very, very few RPGs that get anywhere close to that. And Final Fantasy VII was definitely the first. Mm. Persona 3 came pretty close at times. Yeah, if you were going strictly into the RPG fandom. Yeah. No, I mean, just judging from my little brother's college community back when it was first released, and some of the people that I know that he knows who had no interest in anything else in RPGs but really loved Persona 3. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't quite as broad as Final Fantasy VII got, but it was still amazingly... It was definitely a breakout hit for Atlas in that franchise. Oh, yes. Also, for the record, Final Fantasy VII was never... Just doing that it's up. better than VI. I'm doing that right now. Was... Yeah. They both have their good points and their bad points, and Final Fantasy VII tried to fix some issues that were had with VI, or Seven Heads 
tried to fix some issues that were had with six, and then came up with some whole new issues. Lots yeah, but I find this. And I just find its issues much more interesting. Game in that series. Yeah, I just think Seven's issues are much more interesting. So, mm-hmm. someone, someone, one day will ask us to have this fight, and I'll throw a knife at wheels. <laughs> Hopefully, that someone will be smart enough not to have you two in the same room when it happens. <laughs> you should see the first picture I ever took in the same room with wheels. It's him with a punch to my face. Guess what? You had just handed me a copy of Prince of Persia. Forgotten fan DS. You deserved it. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, that game is garbage. Uh, I think we brought this up like last episode, so I'm not uh, rehashing this. Here you story, go, friend. It's fine. It's nice to finally meet you in real life. Here's some trash garbage to play in the plane Here's right home. Just the, <laughs> the worst possible thing to have on a flight. A flight home where I was sitting for one next to one dude for five hours who was in one hand shotgunning beer and in the other hand shotgunning coffee, and the smell sensation was enough to destroy any human being. <laughs> oh, Don't do that, by the way. That's, that does not seem like a combination that makes much sense. Yeah, I don't know what he was going for there. This, and I don't want to. This drink makes me sleepy. This drink wakes me up. But this drink makes me less coherent. Yes. Together... But remember, this, hmm. this is the same kind of person who will mix vodka and Red Bull, even though Red Bull clearly states on <laughs> the container, don't mix with alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great choice. That ends well. Uh, what a lovely flight. Don't have that flight, by the way. Non-stop flight from freaking East Coast to West Coast is bad. There are much worse flights, but if you're just staying in the continental United States, it's a bad flight. So was that, like, direct from Boston to Seattle? I want to say it was, yeah, it went to, like, SeaTac. Yikes. That wasn't even, that wouldn't have been my last flight, but my last flight would have been a short hop compared to that. Here we are com- complaining about flights uh, while we have someone who has flown to and from Japan. Yeah, no. And, That's and an I actual just, bad I was, just thinking, I was just thinking back to Saga 1, Final Fantasy Legend, which was specifically designed to be about the length of a flight from Tokyo to Hawaii. Nice. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, you can do that. No, specifically. I mean, that was the specific order from the top to Kawazu. That would also be about as long as your Game Boy's batteries were going to last, too. I don't know. I managed to get a, a set of Game Boy batteries to go all the way through Pokemon Blue. That's impressive. Changing. Yeah, but, I mean, when I finally changed the batteries out, I'd been turning the contrast on the Game Boy up every time it started to fade because of battery life. So yeah. when, I back, when I put the new batteries in, the screen was black. Ooh. Yeah. Um, That's a- there aren't any other game systems I know of that can actually run effectively on so little electricity that you can do that on basically on fumes. Yeah, that's a that's a thing that I don't think anyone who, who didn't have an original game play, Game Boy or at least spend some time with one would realize the concept of like oh this thing's battery is dying and so it's causing the screen to sort of go out. <laughs> so you just. So you just do the contrast dial, and hey, it's you can see it again. Yeah, I don't think any of them after the original Game Boy still have a contrast dial, because I think they're different matrix dot yeah. screens. So. It, it has to be a completely different style of screen to do that, yeah. And the only one I remember after that would be the Game Boy Color, which obviously 
did yeah. not have that. Even the yeah. pocket doesn't do that either. And the light definitely doesn't do that. Okay, so let's move on. Different question. Oh, I'm... Uh, so, so moral of the story, Saga 1 is widely considered the best RPG of all time. <clears throat> Moving on. Not even, not even Saga original trilogy fans would agree with that, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm, I'm surprised I mean, you said that over Saga 2. I don't know what I, I was mean, thinking. Even among oh, well, you, you were just trying to provoke, is what you were trying to do. Correct. You provoke okay. Don't worry, I can provoke the hell out of wheels. I'll do that next week. Oh, just, no. Just don't provoke him too much with knives. <laughs> can you with call that a knife? This is a knife. No, 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 no you just use Wiznibus, the dancer move from Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. From the original translation that had no idea what to do with particular sets of katakana. He also fire bracelet. Yeah, fire breath. Oh yeah, because it's fire breath and brace. They couldn't tell the difference. Hey. Okay, bracelet. so different question here. It's from Eternal Youth. A new person. Yes. Yes. Hello, new person. person. Always glad to have questioners. Yep. From yeah, not Budai this time. Yay. Sorry, Budai. Not that we don't. Not that we dislike you, Budai. <laughs> no, no. It's just it's nice to hear from other people sometimes too. From friends and Final Fantasy XIV community, the new content scripted by Matsuno has been very well received. I'm guess it means hearing from. Yeah. If Square Enix were to approach and bring back Matsuno to direct games again, would you like to see him one create a sequel to Final Fantasy Tactics or a game in the Ivalice world? Two, resurrect the Ogre Battle series and continue with a sequel or prequel episodes. Or three, create an entirely new IP. I'm going to go with option four, that being um, if they can get him to come back, let him make whatever the fuck he wants to make. <laughs> well, I think that... 18 plus rating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if Ogre Battle is even resurrectable at this point. Like, I'd be interested in that, because, like, it always marks it itself as being episode something out of whatever, but at the same yeah, time, but, it's... Yeah. But quite a few of those episodes were made after Matsuno left. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, the I, I want to say the original actually implies that it's an episode of a larger tale. Oh, it does. It was, like, episode eight or something. Yeah. Um, where episode one would have been the original Ogre Battle, which would be a conflict of literally mythic proportions which would be really cool um but yeah my, my deep concern for any of these concepts would be given the kind of like difficulty in flame out he seems to have had uh nearing the end of ff12's development i wouldn't want him to have to take on the stress of a responsibility of like a really high profile project yeah. wasn't he hospitalized in the middle of Final Fantasy 12 and they had that to was the work? rumor I'm not sure if I ever saw that corroborated yeah I, but I, there would yeah I, I remember seeing like a, an interview where they were talking about visiting him in the ho in the hospital room yeah like it was definitely like the implication was always at the very least some sort of nervous breakdown so and that's can, why they end up being incredibly sketchy on the story sometimes in that game because they were having to work with notes, things like that. And, um, yeah. It's really remarkable how well that game turned out in the end. The fact that it survived. Yeah. The fact that they, had, that they actually changed the focus to a different main protagonist. <laughs> but uh, I feel like, in general, I would 
I would probably just say let them work on a new IP so there aren't as many strings attached to it. Yeah. yeah but I, mean, I feel like there's a reason he's kept the game industry at arm's length for the past 12 years. Yeah, well, with that uh, level 5 downloadable Crimson game. Shroud. Thank you. Maybe give him, if he, I mean, if they could ever get him to come back, maybe have him work on, like, a small-scale thing like that and then kind of go from there. Like, I remember before Crimson Shroud, he sort of disappeared from the industry after, of all things, writing the script for Sega Wii action game uh, Mad World. <laughs> which I enjoyed. No one else did. Um... But it was one of those things where it's like he he did that and then disappeared for years, and I don't think anyone could quite tell what he was doing. And then suddenly he showed up at level five, and he worked there for long enough to get Crimson Shroud out, and was gone like a thief in the night. So, and then he was associated with a Kickstarter that is uh, currently in the throes of some sort of horrifying uh, unlife at the moment. If you oh know what Unsung Story was, oh yeah, that. Was he ever actually involved in it? He was not involved. So this is what I mean by saying he keeps the game industry at arm's length. He contributed notes and concepts, but he was very explicitly never officially part of the development team. Uh-huh. Mm. And, they, and then they probably weren't they, very explicit about that, I'm assuming. He, he was explicit about that, but the people running the Kickstarter were not. Um, <laughs> the people running the Kickstarter then took that kickstarter money and expanded the short section in the kickstarter about having a multiplayer mode and said well we'll work on the key the the single player mode once we've got some funds rolling in from people playing a pvp multiplayer mode what and that ultimately didn't like they ran out of money like two years in with that mode never even being completed Development stopped, and then in, like, last year, another company called Little Orbit picked up the rights to... Essentially, what they bought were the rights to all of Matsuno's notes. (laughs) Ah. And so they're currently in the process of trying to put out something based off of those uh, for uh, PS4, Xbox, and Switch. Best of luck there. They are still updating... Like, they took over the Kickstarter. They still issue updates. I just looked this up. Uh, and, what was the title yeah. again? Uh, Unsung Story. Okay, I do recognize that. And, and they seem ago. to be doing monthly updates. So, I mean, good on them for trying. Yeah. They're sure. certainly more communicative than Playdeck was when they left the project. Just, uh... Your usual reminder, be careful what you're kickstarting. With Kickstarter 1, the key is never to put money in. It's like, the, the it reminds me of the advice I always heard about gambling and investment. Never put money in that you can't afford to lose. Yeah. I know, I'm remembering the movie The Producers when the main character is giving the accountant some advice on producing a Broadway musical. <laughs> like, rule number one is never put your own money in a production. Oh, <laughs> rule number two. Never put your own money in the production! <laughs> oh my god. Have you seen that movie, right? Oh yeah. Yeah? I've seen the remake. I don't think I've seen the original. Oh, the original was fun too. The, the 
musical version, the remake is even better. But still, you have to see it with uh, the original with um, Zara Mostel and uh, oh, oh, great name blanked. Oh, I, oh, Gene Wilder. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to mm, yeah. watch that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a little bit different on some of the details, and of course, there's only one actual song in the entire original movie because it wasn't originally a musical itself. It was just about one. Is it springtime for Hitler? Is that the one song? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Actually, there yeah. may be one song besides that. I don't remember. The other song. Yeah. But yeah, for example, uh, yeah, you know how that who they hired to be Hitler in the, the remake. In the original movie, they for the part of Hitler, they hired this guy who had walked in trying to find that some sort of seventies psychedelic musical, like <laughs> or something. He, he was so high on whatever that he completely misread the directions and walked into the wrong theater. They hired him. So. But that joke wouldn't work nearly as well for the the late '90s, early aughts remake. Yeah. So they they went a different direction and made it quite a bit funnier. <laughs> yeah, that is a funny movie. Oh yeah, I, I, I saw that one in the theater too. I was home for a the winter and my entire family went to see it. And it was just us and another family sitting in the theater and we're just all laughing our heads <laughs> off. <laughs> I guess as a final note on Unsung Story, uh, looking at the Kickstarter, they the Kickstarter they apparently uh, made changes to the art direction that people were not happy with, and they uh, are going back to try to re to remedy those. So I mean, this is just good on mess. them for trying. Yeah, I mean, like I respect how much they're trying to make things right for those backers because this is not the company that that made this Kickstarter. So, technically, they probably don't have obligations to this, but, I mean, it's good on them for trying. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Kickstarters, when are we getting our uh, 3DS and Vita version of My Super 9? Ha ha! You don't even want to play it. I, I, will, I will play it. For science. For science. Okay. Mighty, Mighty number 9. Huh? Oh, um, the Mega Man lookalike. Yeah. Okay. The last, the last information that I can find on it is a an article from Polygon, from uh, June of 2017, claiming that they are still that Tomcept is claiming they are still in development and will be out by the end of 2017. Oh, I'm sure that. Remember when everyone was clamoring for Mighty Number no. Nine because Mega Man is dead, and then and now Mega Man is not dead, and then. <laughs> And let's all forget Mighty Number no. Nine as quickly yeah. as we can. We, yes. We've sort of, they've sort of lost their forward push because, uh, yeah, Capcom stole their thunder. A little bit. <sighs> hey, Mega Man yeah. Eleven looks really cool. We can't wait for them to announce Mega Man X Nine. And the X Collection is red. The new X collections apparently have... I have not checked the art galleries thoroughly enough to say, but I have heard tell that there is art for them that is labeled as being for an unannounced project of some sort. Mm. It might not be that direct, but it's basically like... It, it does not list a source. Clearly, Mega Man X Command Mission 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, video games are over now. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, I've decided on one question that I will ask you guys before I am ready to shut this whole thing down. 
sure. Was, what is it? Podcasts are watching, over. I, I was watching. I was watching Evo last night, and the thought occurs to me: what RP, what fighting games should be RPGs, and vice versa? Um. Hmm. Well, I mean, okay. Again, looking at Project Cross Zone, the answer is you can fit a lot of interesting things into a into a RPG, including yeah. at least half a dozen different fighting series. Yeah. There, there's Street uh, Fighters would, and Tekkens there. <laughs> yeah, I would say go with um, Dark Savior or Dark, the Dark Stalker series. Oh, that'd be fun. Hmm. Partly because those characters do play a major part in pro- the Project Cross Zone games, and they're all really cool, and generally they have their own distinctive aesthetics and just motivations going on. Plus they have hmm. some of the most hilarious backstories on the planet. Like... Um, the rock and roll zombie guy. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, his backstory is that literally he was a death metal Satanist who organized his performance to match it certain specific rituals that spontaneously sacrificed an entire audience of fans in order to grant him immortality. Hmm. Something I appreciate... Like- I appreciate that, like, half the cast of Darkstalkers have their own Wikipedia pages. That shows some fandom there. Little bit, little bit. Someone, Someone's probably gone to a great deal of trouble to make sure that these are not uh, considered for deletion. Yep. I'm trying to think of an RPG that would make a good fighting game that hasn't already been made a fighting <laughs> that game. That has not been a fighting yeah, game. Yeah, because the... Guess what? Uh, it's Dragon Quest time. <laughs> eh... Too bad, you're going to do it. I've made this decision for you. Um, no. I'm not even saying it's a good idea. I would like... Because honestly, it's not. <laughs> I would like a fighting game based on the Saga series where you have to spark... Um, spark your, all of your... You have to spark your special moves during the battle. I am trying to imagine something that would be more thoroughly and angrily rejected by 98% of any human being who no. might touch it. Uh, uh, wheels, wheels, just just borrow the dueling battle system from Saga Frontier 2. Oh. <laughs> that, that actually would work out pretty well. Uh, either that or, I think I, I, I remember, I cannot even remember which internet forum I discussed this on. This must have been decades ago, literally. Um, just the concept of a tactical game using Saga Frontier 2's element system. Where the the skills that or the spells that you could use depended largely on both your equipment and where you were standing <laughs> from a feng shui standpoint. So, uh, so if the battlefield was very wet, like near a river or very foggy, you didn't need to worry about equipping water items because you could draw mana, water mana straight out of the air, and use it to attack people or heal yourself. But if you're in the desert, then you had to be had to equip yourself differently. I would play so, this. Yeah. Most people probably would not, but I would play this. Too bad I would. I mean, it really just depends on how you how you put it all together and how you present it. I mean, obviously, we want to avoid something like Unlimited Saga, where if you can understand the underlying systems, then you might actually enjoy yourself, but most people can't manage that much effort. I just thought of a good one, actually. Um... I feel like you could make a good fighting game out of the Xenoblade games. Hmm. 
Because there's a lot of interesting characters and enemies and stuff that would probably work out pretty well, make a good roster. Throw in some random guest appearances from Xenogears and Xenosaga. Yeah, exactly. I think it, that could be some... I mean, you already got Shulk showing up as a guest character in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, so it could be pretty neat. And for, like, a fighting game as an RPG, I think Mortal Kombat has already almost done this, and they're weird, crazy... Beat-em-ups, it's done... Yeah. Like, it did have an adventure game mode in one of the PS2 ones. My favorite... I will never get over the story of someone bringing up that one of the Mortal Kombat games had, like, a kart racing mode on Twitter to the director of the Mortal Kombat games, and him thinking that that person was lying to him. <laughs> Like, he had forgotten that there was a motor combat mode in Mortal Kombat Armageddon for PS2. Oh, my God. And, like, someone brought it up, and he's like, ha-ha, good joke. And, like, they showed a screenshot, and he's like, what? <laughs> that game, Armageddon, is, like, just a mess of random it's moves and stuff. It's like, they didn't want to be making a fighting game, so they made every other kind of game in yeah. addition to a fighting it's game. It's ridiculous. I hope you like Puzzle Combat, which is just Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. And also, uh, I think there was also chess. There might have been a chess mode in that one. I still like that the the newer Mortal Kombat games, they actually, actually made it like part of the original chronology. Thanks what do you to, mean? Thanks to time travel. Like, oh, the time travel. Yeah. I love that the, the core of Mortal Kombat 9's plot revolves around... Raiden being too stupid to give himself a message he can understand. <laughs> like he sent him, he had a he had three words to send to himself in the past, and he sent let uh, he sent he must win, which is the <laughs> most ambiguous thing he could have said. You see what I mean, though? The Mortal Kombat mythology is just so ridiculous. It would Meanwhile, just be perfect for other, an RPG. The other stupid plot revelation from that was that apparently all of Mortal Kombat was pointless, because if the villain ever actually won, other gods would come in and say, no, you can't do that and kill him. <laughs> so the answer is, if you only had three words, you could have just said, let him win, and saved us all a lot of trouble. <laughs> oh, good times. Mortal Kombat's nonsense, but it's really hilarious nonsense. It so. is. As and long as Mortal Kombat Special Forces never comes back. And it doesn't take itself that seriously either, so it, it just works. Mortal Kombat's that surreal paradox where 12-year-olds will take it extremely seriously, whereas the people making it will take it not seriously at all. Yeah. That sounds um, about right, actually. Yeah, I appreciate the fact that they, named a, they made a purple ninja because they were just going to make a ninja of every color of the rainbow. And they named him Rain because Prince. <laughs> yep. Oh, I that never, right. I never ever got that. <laughs> also, other fun fact: he is also the prince of another dimension. <laughs> yeah. Mortal Kombat, everyone. Yeah, sure Mortal... to be a major motion picture again sometime in the next twenty years. Mortal Kombat RPG: The Adventures of Noob Cybot. Oh man, it's always fun seeing whether pe how quickly people caught into the fact that that was just the name Boone and Tobias reversed. Fun fact: there used to be a Mortal Kombat TV show, and it fun was fun fact: there used to be like three, dude. And it was filmed on uh, at um, 
MGM Studios in Disney World. Nice. I'm surprised that they didn't. They should have filmed it. The series ends with the movie, um, original movie. So I don't really care. (laughs) That's fine. That's probably a good place for that love to end. Yep. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, I have to step out very shortly, so sure. you guys might have to wrap things up without me. All right. Yeah, uh, unless we have something, I can probably just say uh, uh, goodbye, everyone. Yeah. I, I will disappear. Well, I'm going to talk about Alliance Live for a few minutes, so if you're back... If I come back in time, I will. Otherwise, adios. All right. So I have finally finished building the whole alliance in Alliance Alive. Yay! And um, now I'm like overrun with stuff to do. (laughs) Did you manage to recruit most or all of the random NPCs? I've recruited a few already. Yep. So yeah, there, there are places where if you make the wrong, if you make a particular decision one way or another, then some of these potential NPCs die. Ooh. So... Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. They die in the plot 20 hours before you can recruit them. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, at the oasis in the fire um, fire world, if you choose to kill the weird octopus-looking thing instead of letting it sneak away, did you choose to kill it or did you let it sneak away? I let it sneak away. Those guys are recruitable. Sweet. Actually, it and its family are all recruitable. Excellent. Um, In, uh, what's your, is it Rebecca, the Red Riding Hood character? Yeah. Yeah. Um, When she and her partner are investigating um, the rainy town, there's a commotion over in front of the inn, and you can choose to step in or to walk away. And if you walk away, then two other NPCs die. Yeah. Because there's nobody there to rescue them. Things like that. Do not remember what I did there. Yeah. But and plus, um, I think there's one one demon NPC who will just randomly show up on your boat if you buy enough items with Chaosium on the black market. Oh. Or at least if you spend enough in Chaosium. I, I saved it up to get a particular arm for Tiggy that was worth like 40 Chaosium. And he just appeared right after that. Interesting. Yeah. So it turns out you could get that same weapon later, but it was like much, much later. And um, she doesn't have a lot of equipment. <laughs> so it was worth the purchase. I'm going to have to check that out. So yeah, right now I'm just kind of upgrading equipment before I go take out the last... Um, I forget what the heck those things are called. The uh, giant knight. Yes. Oh, those guys are fun. You can actually, uh, you can actually uh, use diplomacy to get around beating them. Ooh, interesting. Yes, but in one case, you have to let one, um, one of these guys. His requirement is that you have to let him chew on you. <laughs> so you will take a lot of damage, um, but you, he will give you the item. Another car- another one of these guys will loan you the item, a very nice weapon. And then later on in the final level, he will show up again to ask for it back. <laughs> and if you don't give it back to him, then you have to fight him. I, uh, I, s- I assume he's probably harder if you wait to fight him then, too? 
I have no idea, but your options are much more limited in the final area because you, there aren't many places that you can actually go to there. Uh. Uh, and then I think the third one, the really crazy one, I think she just lets you have it. Sweet. She's, she's a bit nuts. And then the fourth one, the, <laughs> the fourth one will require you to change the name of your airship to his name <laughs> in exchange uh, for this item. <laughs> that's great. Yes. I, I didn't think it was actually going to do it, but nope, I ended up riding around. In this, I can't even remember what his name was, but it wasn't the Archon CL, which is what I named the boat originally. I love I love when an RPG gives you a weird option like that, and you don't expect it to work, and then it actually does. Yeah. Because, I mean, usually in RPGs, it's like they, there's dialogue options and stuff like that, but it, it just leads to the same place, so... I wish but at the same time, I'm kind of wondering what plot points I may have missed by not beating them up in the first Because there is a lot of things implied about the origin of the demons and the ancient kingdom of Avalon and a passenger manifest in um, a house in Demon City. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I never actually got enough information to fully connect all the dots, but it looked really different. Um so. Sounds like it's time for a replay. Yeah, it might be. Uh, it would help. help uh, it certainly helped that I would remember to give everybody the healing magics before going into the final level because you can't actually <laughs> buy it in the final level. And I ended up going into the final boss with only one character knowing any healing spells. Ooh, that's not good. And I probably should have just improved everybody's stats by a lot more before going into the final level. So. Yeah, uh, I love the game. Especially now that I have the penguin. Penguin! Do you have do you have um, any of his special abilities unlocked yet? No, just a bunch of spells and uh, I think two of... I guess I'd call it bear hands, bear flipper attacks. So that would be just headbutt and penguin dance? Yeah. Happy dance? Yeah, he takes a while to actually unlock anything, but when he does, you get stuff like... Um, I can't even remember what the name of it is, but it's crazy kung, penguin kung fu action <laughs> that, strong, that strongly resembles the dream super combo from Saga Frontier. Nice. And then you have um, his pinball attack. Interesting. It's basically his, it's his rocket headbutt, but it hits everything on the enemy side. <laughs> I assume accompanied with a great animation. It's just it's it's funny. It is quite funny. Nice. Yeah, I think he only has like four, um, five or six abilities, but they're just really fun and strong. Very strong. Yeah, I love that the game just has a good sense of humor about it. Like the story is interesting. It's, it's definitely got some serious parts to it, but. Um, it's got some good jokes and some good humor in it. It's just a good well, game. That, it's a good game. For that matter, did you keep an eye on the penguin during various scenes in the floating islands? Um, I don't recall. So, like, in the, there's a scene in the, at the inn and tavern area in the, first, in the floating islands first city, and while everyone is having a really serious discussion on what they should be doing... The penguin's wandering into the kitchen and taking stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then when you get to the dragon's cave later on in that section of the game, everyone again is talking, okay, how should we go do this? How should we do that? And the penguin just wanders off and he kind of finds the dragon and he's running away as fast as it's possible. <laughs> oh, so good. Almost makes me wonder why they kind of... I wouldn't exactly call him super hidden or anything, but... Seems like a character they should have strongly directed you towards. Yeah. He's, I mean, at the same time, I mean, little penguin dude has no actual direct effect anywhere on the story. That's true. That's very true. So, I mean, he is just the fun little guy. And he's also really useful for that one major snow, snowy rooftop battle that you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Where just having one more warm body in the mess really helps a lot. <laughs> Uh, how did you enjoy that battle, by the way? Um, it was pretty sweet. Yep. How many times did it take you to win? Four, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once I got used to the fact that not only was my party attacking in waves, but the expectation was that the first two waves would not survive <laughs> very long. And the third one wouldn't survive very long either if the first two waves didn't manage to shove enough damage into the one or two turns that they did get. Yeah. Yeah. It, don't you love those boss battles that really force you to uh, not do your standard defensive holding measures to build up power? <laughs> I, I'm, al I'm also thinking of the weird Gripen thing from um, Atelier Eska and Logi. Did you ever play that game? Uh, I have not. It's on my long, long list of uh, backlogs for that series. Yeah. Well, the second to last boss in that game, it's this sort of griffin thing. It is. It has some of the best boss music in the series. Um, that's Sky of, that's yeah, saying a lot um, for that series. Check, check YouTube, um, Sky of Twilight. Beautiful song. Um, and it, the best tactic to destroy that thing is to hit it hard, hit it fast, because if you give it enough rounds, it will murder you. Massively. It just takes a little while to build up to it. I'm going to find that music and throw it into this episode. Bookmark that page. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the second game in the Dusk series, right? Yes, it is. Uh, I should probably just stop. Um, I mean, the last Atelier game I was playing was, I think, Sophie. I should just go play the Dusk series already. The Dusk series is a much better game, or set of games, just from a narrative and gameplay standpoint. They're still Atelier games. They still have their rough spots all over the place. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, um... Yeah, the mystery games were a throwback to a much rougher time for the series, and I really wish... I'm yeah. really hoping the next iteration does better. Hopefully. Especially for the future of the series. I don't want to see the series fade away in the West and maybe eventually not even get localized. That would... But at least they're releasing them on Switch now, so hopefully that'll help the series a bit. Ooh. And oh yeah, so next... Next portable RPG I'll probably be playing. I finally grabbed a copy of uh, Magical Star Sign off of 
eBay to give it a second chance. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I, I'm currently in the position where I'm... Well, Brownie Brown made Magical Vacation... Um, what's the right word here? Finessable to the point where you can be severely under-leveled and still beat certain enemies and bosses. But I've hit one of the bosses where that's not really working. Ooh. And I'm a good ten levels below this guy comparatively. So I'm just wandering around and triggering certain battles and trying to level up everybody. Or just level up my current party because you've got like 16... Actually, no, I have 11 party members at this point because five of them have still yet to be rescued or recruited. Wow. And actually, one of them is never coming back to the party. I know that for a So, yeah. And part of the fun of a 16-way elemental system is that <laughs> very often I don't have access to the magic that a certain enemy is weak against. So what do you do? Just... Kick, um, kick it to death. <laughs> uh, well, also, um, I mean, most um, most elements are weak against one and strong against one only. It's just a big circle. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's not nearly as complicated as Pokemon. Right. I wish it were at times because that would give me more options. Um, so generally you get, you hit something of if an element is strong against what you have, then when you hit it with a spell, it takes like half damage or less. If you hit something with its same element, it's one damage, unless you have a multiplier. Um, however, generally, um, the steel element hits stuff hard. Like, it's basically a physical attack disguised as magic. Ooh. So, as long as you're not attacking something with beauty type or a steel type itself, then you're going to be doing you're going to be doing significant damage. And if you can set up enough elementals for the bonuses, you can. I hit 600 damage off of a boss once with one spell. Wow! Using the steel type, killed the boss. Um, that's why I said it's possible to really finesse these things. Unfortunately, the current boss battle has four monsters in it, and they're wiping me out too fast. <sighs> well, I'm looking forward to giving it another go. I'm definitely not bothered at all by using the touchscreen now. I think the game that finally broke me of that was Etrian Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And also finally getting screen protectors <laughs> for my DS. Yeah. Yeah, um, speaking of fixing things in the sequel, Magical Star Sign did it pretty well just by significantly reducing the cast size and the elemental system. And then they did something fun with the fact that your magic power waxes and wanes depending on the relative position of the planets in the sky. <laughs> and then, just for fun, it, it gives you a magic spell that allows you to expend MP to rotate the solar system. <laughs> yeah, I remember that planet rotation thing from back in the day. Yeah. And then it included some really, really odd cosmology. That gets really fun. Yeah, it's a shame we never got the original. Is is there a fan translation of that? Possibly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It's not that difficult. It's pretty straightforward. I'll have to check it out. 
Okay. Mm. Yeah, just through the usual ROM sites. Okay. Apparently. You have to check that out then. Yeah. Just be forewarned that um, this is the this is the kind of game that was designed to make completionists cry. Oh, <laughs> it's a good thing I am not one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it, for the first thing, um, I mean, we were talking about I was talking about the uh, difficulty in getting certain types of magic at any given point of the game. Um, your main character is supposed to be kind of a spoiler on that because they can uh, you can. You can choose their magic at the start of the game, which yep. tech type they have, and the, this actually affects the game's difficulty rate ranking. Oh, depending on which element you choose, so be careful um, for magical vacation at least. But the thing is, there was also supposed to be what was essentially a street pass option before street pass was a thing, where um, you could connect to a friend's game via cable between Game Boy Advances, and have them visit each other's games. Really? Yes. And so you could, um, if you got enough friends with a certain type of magic, you could unlock that magic for your main character. Whoa. In addition to whatever choice you made originally. <sighs> if you got five friends with the same uh, magic as you, then that would unlock the, the love element magic, which was all healing. And if you could manage to get 100 friends all together in the uh, the street pass kind of thing, the Amigo system, then you could unlock light magic as well as the ultimate um, bonus dungeon. Hmm, that's pretty ahead of its time. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a very um, different kind of thing. Uh, Magical Star Sign has a similar Amigo system. That's used for, I think it was used for trading back and forth these monster eggs that you could hatch into extra party members or something like that. Cool. Yeah. If I can ever, again, ever find anyone else with a copy of the game. <laughs> that was the major weakness of the Amigo system in the three games that it appeared in. Yeah. Yeah. There just weren't, I mean, it was so far ahead of its time that. Um, it's the kind of thing that Street Pass was designed to emulate. Yeah, I mean there probably were a decent number at one time, since because it came out so uh, early in the DS life, there were probably tons of people with not so. Oh much yeah, I, I remember getting it. I remember passing it quite a bit on the trains in Fukuoka back in 2006. Uh, but for Magical Vacation, the original of this. I don't even know how anybody managed to get all of them. Yeah. Um, um, I remember many years ago chatting with the guy who put together the walkthrough and FAQ for the game on GameFAQs, and he was talking about, yeah, um, he just went ahead and game sharked <laughs> together. Because that was the only way that he could test any of the end games or the post game material. I'm sure. Yeah. But. Um, back to the completionist's nightmare, if you're trying to get all of the little elemental guys, um, you need to know exactly what you're doing first, and you need to know which ones you need to skip for a while in order to not accidentally cancel out later ones. Um, the nastiest being the love spirits, because after a certain point, 
they stop becoming available if you have caught too many gummy frogs, which are the primary healing item in the game. They're just hopping around in the forest, and you can catch them. But again, if you've caught too many, then even if you activate the appearance of one of these love spirits, they will tell you to, their fa to your face, I don't think you're the kind of person I would like. Goodbye. And vanish. <laughs> nice. Yes. So, um, and then there's other fun in games, like the, the blade spirits will, um, in order for them, in order for them to agree to join you, you have to get rid of all of your healing frogs. <laughs> because they value strength. And so they will tell you to your face, get rid of those things. And only then will they negotiate. And you may not actually have the enough of the special coins that they will take in as part of the payment after that. Which is another... But things like that. So... It just gets worse and worse across the game. So I'm not even trying to collect everything at all. No. Um, yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, you normally do not need all seven spirits anyway. Um, two or three is more than enough to add a massive force multiplier to whatever spell is connected to their element. So, yeah. So it's, but yeah, it's a cute little game and. I have no idea if I'm actually going to finish it again this time. Well, it does sound like a magical vacation. Alright, I guess we should... I'm still enjoying trying <laughs> to... Uh, I'm still having fun deciphering what some of the names actually are when you try put them back into their original food forms. <laughs> so, yeah. So, not, not all of them are that obvious. Any interesting examples? Um, oh... Um, one forest in the second region of the game is um, Reginio Forest, which in Japanese would be Onigiri, rice ball spelled backwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see, all of the dwarves are named after sauces. Mostly pasta sauce, but some others as well. Hmm. Uh, what else? Um... Some of the dog people are named after spices, things like that. Well, silly. You have a you have a giant robot named Cafe Olay. <laughs> and in Magical Star Sign, you have one that's almost identical to him named Cafe Mocha. <laughs> or just Mocha. Nice. Things like that. Yeah. Um, one of the characters from Magical Vacation is referenced in Star Sign as a professor at the school. His name's Pistachio. <laughs> Did they keep those names in the English version? Um, I'm not sure. I, I know some of them got changed a bit for Star Sign back and forth um, for the names, but I'm pretty sure they kept the, the food joke themes. Okay. I'm just not sure if, for example, the translators realized what the jokes were for the planet continents. Right. Because they tended to be something like, again, foie gras, written out in katakana, and then the katakana reverse ordered to become something similar to ragwafal. Ragwafor. Or hamaguri, which is a kind of river clam, becoming rigmaha, which is the water world. Mm. Um, 
I'm sure those got changed just because um, it, the joke wouldn't be nearly as obvious. Right. But like um, the fire themed character is named Pomodoro. I think that was his name. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, well, enjoy anyway. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, if nothing else, it's a. The pixel work on it is fantastic. So we shall see. Oh, but one of my favorites from Star Sign, though. So, in the Wind World, you can, in one corner of it, you can find this old um, Tengu, Japanese spirit with the huge nose and the raven wings. And in Japanese mythology, these guys are often mentors for warriors and poets and things. So, he can teach you better tricks for fighting if you can survive the training. Um, but his name is Macadamius, <laughs> which I'm, I'm thinking that's a rather fun way of sounding old styled and wise and still making a food joke. Yeah, I like that a lot. But you sound like you need to sleep now. Yeah. For Hello? About an hour and 50 minutes. Is Wheels dying? No, was... no, he's turning into Snorlax, and he's uh, about to unleash his sleep talk attack. Oh, man. Children. children. Sick children. But yeah, you came back to some time for the wrap-up. Sweet. Uh, you can send us questions at the usual places on the episode and the forums, if anyone still uses the forum. You can yell at us in Discord. Forums are dead. Long live Discord. Yeah, that, that seems to be the issue with Discord with some communities I'm in. Like, they decided not to go with it because it tends to destroy forums or replace them. Depending. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly seems to have done that here. Well, I think our forums were kind of dead anyway, so... Yeah, I wow. mean, it, yeah, there wasn't that much of a difference, unfortunately. Yeah. The comment section mixed with Discord kind of fills the hole. Yeah. yeah. But I was going to say, you can also send questions to me on Twitter. I'm at AskWheels. And that reminds me that I forgot to mention the um, cool interactions with Kawazu and some people trying to yell at him on Twitter that someone pointed oh, out. Oh, man. That's, I, I felt very satisfied when I heard him basically saying, like, if Scarlet Grace on the Vita is, uh, is a beta, then I have never released any... Like, all of my games will forever be betas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's completely true. <laughs> <laughs> like, video game, Like, that's just it. Like, video games don't get done. They stop being made. <laughs> yes. And nobody proves that better than Kawaza. Yeah. <laughs> But it's funny, I guess people were like trying to yell at him and he's basically giving these calm, like insightful replies. <laughs> really really better than the internet deserves. Yeah. It's just like you can say that the game feels incomplete, but don't do that by comparing it to a version that had, you know, several years more development time, because of course there's more content in something that has more time. Ah, uh, the internet. Uh the internet. The cause of, and... No, no, just the cause of. All the life's problems. <laughs> anyway, questions the usual places. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm probably going to be doing some sort of streaming this week. Probably streaming Titan Quest. 
on the Switch, along with another surprise game on the Switch. Oh, man. Hint. It's played in minute-long intervals. I can't believe you're playing Half Minute Hero. Wait. No, minute, minute long intervals. Uh, all right, I'm turning this episode off. Okay. Please, Good night, sweet prince. Pl- put it down, put it pl- down. Please enjoy this musical selection from the Teen Titans Go to the Movies soundtrack. Oh. That's going to be the no, musical no, selection no, for no, the next no, 12 years. Sky of Twilight. You okay. Sky of Twilight. Okay, Sky. Please enjoy Sky of Twilight from... Uh, Atelier, Team Titans Go soundtrack. Atelier, Atelier Esha and Logi. Eska and Logi. Eska and Logi. I can pronounce because, things. Because, no, remember, Japanese, in, in Japanese, the ampersand is pronounced to. The Japanese for and. So the title is actually Eschatology. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was an unlocalizable joke, so they did not even try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still pretty obvious if you take a look at the the names in order and just imagine a little bit. Adelier from Eschatologi. Yeah. I like it. You're all you're all right, guest. Am I really a guest at this point? Because how many weeks in a row has it been? No, Gust. Gust. Oh, Gust. Gust. I thought you guest. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, you are officially a host. Thank you, thank you. Never leave us. That means you will have to take over editing the audio at a moment's notice. What? Wow. What? Yes. Well, yes. Don't you, don't well, if, you remember willing, the agreements you signed? Buy the, if you're willing to buy the software necessary and possibly some of the hardware necessary to make that work on my end, <laughs> oh, sure. I will certainly buy you the, the free copy of Audacity. The open <laughs> source software I use. Yeah, yeah, but you forgot the hardware side of this because let's remember what my sound card was doing to me last week. Uh, damn. Damn. <laughs> damn. Yes, exactly. One one day, next, someday, some, someday, one day, I'll be, I'll edit this and just Wheels will have to listen to me randomly inserting insults to him that he can't respond to because I'll be inserting them in posts. Nice. I believe in me. I believe in my ability to use my use power for the most nefarious possible. End. Yes, well, I will probably use my power to insert random clips from a fish called Wanda. At a moment's <laughs> notice. What? Why? I just watched it recently and um, laughed just a lot. Couldn't be bothered. Just couldn't be bothered to not do this. Yeah, exactly. It's a classic movie. I, I believe you. I've never seen it, but I believe you. Uh, highly recommend it. It's available for free on some free streaming thing that whose name I can't remember. Like, I have a smart TV that lets you search for movies. I searched for that. It brought up some app I've never heard of. It's like, okay, I'll install this. And was able to watch it ad-free and did not ask any questions. So, yeah. Somewhere you can presumably watch it legally for free. Presumably. Is it on Netflix? Probably on Netflix. I don't know. It is not. <laughs> huh. I will find out what what the heck that app was, and I'll let you know. It's probably a website you can go. A very legal website. Yes, highly legal. Anyway, on that note, on that possibly illegal note, we, <laughs> we can't believe Criminal Quest. We will see you next week.